Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writing, really Paul Sylvanus and Timothy, it says in chapter 1. But here we go. Chapter 2 from the New King James Version. Paul says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Boy, I just love this. Paul Paul is real with them. Paul knows that they know his issues. You know, unlike, unlike in the church world today where uh, sometimes there's a bit of a bit more of a separation between maybe a pastor of a large church and and uh, the people. Uh, people knew with Paul there wasn't this you know he had his own home and they kind of never saw him until Sundays or whatever. No, Paul came into town, traveled you know maybe on a donkey, maybe he had a camel. We really don't know. Could have just been on foot, but he would come in and he would live among them. And they would see each other every day. And so that everybody would get to know his flaws, his weakness, what he looked like. And so because of that, they had criticisms. Because Paul was not perfect. He was a human being, changed by God. He had things that were he was passionate about. He wasn't willing to budge on certain things. Some of those would have been very kingdom, uh, uh, concrete kingdom principles. And others would be preferences that he had, and people would know that's just your preference. You know why? Why don't? Why aren't you flexible in these areas? Because this is the way humanity is. There are certain things that God requires and that God assigns us to do, and we should be resolute about those things. And then there are other things that we're resolute about that maybe we shouldn't necessarily be so resolute about. And people would look at that. They'd look at his flaws, and and they'd begin to discount him. And so Paul is, is bringing about another one of these personals. And he's saying, guys, you remember when we came to preach the gospel to you, you Thessalonians, we'd just come from Philippi and we were treated so horribly there. We were persecuted so severely. When we came to you, we were, we were not in just a good, healthy, joyful frame of mind. Like, man, we just got done with a great revival over here in Philippi and now we're coming and we're going to spread it over here. Paul's saying, you know it wasn't like that. You know when we came to you, we came to you and we had been, uh, we had suffered. He used the word. We were spitefully treated. He said, when we came to you, we, we were experiencing, uh, a, he didn't use the word, but a bit of discouragement. I mean, we, we were under some stress and pressure when we came to you. And yet, his point is this. We didn't back down a bit. We came to you. And you may have treated us the same way that we got spitefully treated in Philippi, but we were faithful to come to you and to lay our lives down on the line once again to give you a chance to receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And you received it. You received it. See, and so Paul is opening up to them and saying, uh, in, in effect, you know the great sacrifice that we made and the risk that we took after the way we've been treated in Philippi, then to come over and to preach to you. 
And so Paul is just putting this in context. Now, why is this important? Is this self being him being self-serving or self-centered? Well, we know that that's not the case because this is inspired of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is a genuine motive of the heart where Paul is not trying to make himself look good, but he's trying to let the Thessalonians know his heart for them, that uh, he never came to do anything for himself, but he was willing to put his life on the line yet again, this time for the Thessalonians. And so he's putting that in perspective and he's saying to them, uh, and sometimes Paul is also, by the way, validating his apostleship and ministry to them that sometimes is competed against by other apostles that come and say, we're apostles. Listen to us instead of Paul, because they knew Paul had real esteem. And so Paul reminds often these churches uh, the sacrifice that he's willing to make for them to minister to them that other apostles are not willing to make. And he's saying, put that in perspective. He doesn't really bring all of that up here, but uh, he does bring up the, the persecution. And so notice this now. He goes on to say, verse 3, For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. He said, when we came to you to preach to you, to exhort you and such, we didn't come... With error, we had pure doctrine. <laughs> he said, we, we were not mistaken in our teaching. Second, we didn't come with uncleanness. We didn't come with uh, some kind of ulterior motive or a lifestyle that did not display the gospel of Jesus. Uh, nor was it in deceit. We, we were not coming and deceiving you to think we're going to make them think this so that we can manipulate them to give us offerings or whatever. And so Paul said, no, we didn't do that. Verse four, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, see, that's a stewardship, to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but as God who tests our hearts. See, there's always a temptation in teachers, preachers, pastors, apostles, leaders, that well, if nobody listens to you, if nobody follows you, then, you know, what ministry do you have? And so there's always that temptation to do things that please other people. But, and, and you can do that okay, as long as you're not compromising what God told you to do. But there's always going to be the temptation to please people instead of doing what God told you to do, preaching what God told you to preach. And so there are many issues today. Let me tell you, as a pastor teacher, there are many issues today that are in the Bible that people need to learn and know about. But the moment you raise them up, there are people that would say, you shouldn't talk about that. That's not right. You know, that's, that's putting somebody down. And it's not putting anybody down. It's just teaching the principles and the morals of the kingdom of God. The morals of the kingdom of God do not accommodate all of the immorality of our world today. And some people say, well, why are you calling this immoral? I'm not calling anything immoral. I'm just telling you that the creator of heaven and earth, who will also be the judge at the end of the age, has given us his guidelines for living. And when you're outside of those guidelines, that's called immorality. And it is what it is. I didn't make it up. I didn't create the rules. My responsibility is to share and to teach what God said. But of course, I want to do it in love. But there's some people that even if you did it love and graciously, kindly, in a way that doesn't attack, the fact that you 
communicated that my lifestyle or my choices are inappropriate, somehow not accepted by God, somehow immoral. See, this is just a reality. There's always a, a temptation. Don't ever bring those things up. Don't talk about it. Don't be straightforward about it because it'll make some people mad. The problem is there are many people who, if you would teach them, they would know how to repent and be right with God. And, and for, for many of them, make heaven and miss hell. So this is why Paul is saying, look, I didn't come with deceit. And so look at verse 4. We have been approved by God and trusted with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. Flattering words. There's a difference between encouragement and flattery. They both can sound the same. But encouragement has a motivation to lift you up and strengthen you emotionally. But flattery could say the same words, but the motivation of the heart is, I'm making you think that I want, uh, I want that for you, but I'm really wanting something from you. I want you to like me. I want you to vote for me. I want you to approve me. I want you whatever. And so Paul said, we did not do that. Neither at any time did we use flattering words, uh, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. He's addressing something that happens in the ministry that sometimes people, they are putting on a good ministry front, but what they're really after is money and, and in whatever, an increase of their uh, money to be able to use for the ministry or the money to use for themselves or whatever. Paul said, no, you know that's not true. And yet, I think everybody would know, Paul talks about giving and receiving to the Philippians we saw. He was saying, he said, I'm calling on you to give again. He said, but I don't need it. I have more than I need, but I'm calling you to give again because I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So Paul would talk regularly about giving and receiving. We saw it in uh, 2 Corinthians. We saw it in Philippians. And there are other places, Romans and such, where he talks about offerings and gifts and such. And yet he said, you know, I'm not in this to make money. I'm not in this to get rich. No, I'm sacrificing. I'm getting beaten, stoned, persecuted, sacrificing to get the gospel to you. So I'm not doing this uh, as a cloak for covetousness like some people do. He goes on to say, God is witness. In other words, uh, even if you don't believe me, God is my witness that that's the truth, the sincerity of my heart. Verse 6, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. He's saying as apostles of Christ, we could have made more demands than we did, but we haven't done it. We're, we're not like that. Okay, we're here really to serve. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionate by longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to you. We preach to you the gospel of God. He's saying, I could have come and just received offerings. And he said in other places, like to the Corinthians, he said, it would be very appropriate. Those who live by the gospel, those who preach the gospel should live by the gospel. So he's saying, if I'm coming and teaching the word to you every day, then I shouldn't have to go get a secular job because I'm spending my job ministering to you spiritual things. And he even said this. He said, 
if I'm ministering spiritual things to you, is it any uh, concern that I should be receiving material things from you for the investment that I'm making? You know, spiritual investment is, is valuable. Oh, let me tell you, if somebody teaches you how to be born again, how could you put a price tag on that? Somebody teaches you how to be filled with the Spirit, how to walk, get your prayers answered, how to walk with God in fellowship. <laughs> how do you even put price tags on this? This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look, I might have demanded this, but Paul said to the Thessalonians, but you know, when I came to you, you'll notice I didn't just not do anything and have you give offerings as I could have as an apostle and a teacher and a minister to you. He said, no, what did I do? I worked with my hands. I labored night and day so that I wouldn't be a burden to you. I worked a job and spent full time teaching you and doing the ministry. He said, I did double duty because I didn't want to be a burden to you. He's not bragging. He's putting it into context so that the Thessalonians can remember and say, you know, that's right, isn't it? That's right. Boy, Paul, he, he taught us the pure heart and even to go the second mile to make sure that people would not misunderstand. Paul was really a special man of God, let me tell you. Uh, no telling what rewards he would get, but this he's somebody for us to look to and esteem and to aspire to be like. Verse 10. You are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Boy, the tenderness of that. As a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because... Uh, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. I love this. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. That, that's, I won't take time to unravel every word of this, but let me just say, here's what Paul was saying to them. He said, for this reason, we, all give, we also give thanks to God uh, without ceasing, because when you received the word that we taught you, you didn't receive it as if human beings were giving you a version of God's truth. You received it as if it was God saying it. And of course, we know Paul's revelation of what the Lord has shown him, and he wrote half of the New Testament. We know that, boy, if anybody was teaching precisely the things of God, it would be Paul. And Paul said, you received it as, as that. You weren't questioning everything. You received it as if it was directly from God. And of course, this is what changed their lives because they believed the word of God. So come down now here to uh, verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators uh, of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Now, Paul is addressing here the Jewish people. Now, of course, the Jewish people are the chosen people. These are not people that we should look down on. You know, sometimes people, sometimes Christians in history, I'm laughing, but it's not funny, really. Uh, Christians in history have attacked the Jews and said, you killed our Christ. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
there are two errors there. Number one, it's not your Christ. This is the Jewish Messiah. Number two, if they had not crucified Jesus, none of us would be saved. This was part of the plan. So we shouldn't be attacking the Jewish people because they followed through with the plan uh, uh, unwittingly because they did. They're the chosen people. But notice Paul is saying those Jews who do not believe in the Lord, not believe in Jesus as Messiah, which is the majority still to this day. He said, you know how they have been persecuting and they've done this. They've killed the prophets of old who came to try to warn them and such. He said, this is a history with the Jewish people. So that's not a reason for us to attack them. No, it's not. Uh, the Lord loves them. They're the chosen people of God, but their eyes are blinded to the truth of the gospel. And so uh, he's just commenting on this, that these people who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved so that so as always to fill up the measure of their sins but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. In other words, the Jewish people have paid a very dear price for not receiving their Messiah and such. And we know that some three decades after, four decades after Jesus was crucified, they lost their land. They were exiled out of their land for nearly 2,000 years. And so they paid a very severe price for this. Verse 17, but we brethren having been uh, taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. This is an important point. I, Paul, wanted to come to you time and again, but Satan hindered us. This is why we have to understand you don't follow open and closed doors because sometimes the devil opens a door that God didn't open. It's called a temptation. Not every open door opportunity is the will of God. Somebody said, well, God opened the door. How do you know God opened the door? The devil opens doors too. And they're called temptations, deceptions. See, in this case, Paul's showing us the devil closed the door. Time and again, I was trying to come to you, but Satan hindered us time and again. What does that mean? He kept closing the door, closing the door, closing the door. But Paul is not saying it wasn't the will of God to come. He was saying we were being withstood by the devil. He did not want us to come back and preach to you. See, and so this is where we need to be able to discern if the closed door, the hindrance is God or the devil. See, and Paul here is saying this is the devil doing it. Therefore, we need to resist the devil blow those doors open and continue to do the will of God so that we need to be led by the Spirit. That's the New Testament way, not led by circumstances. Verse 18, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. He ends with this beautiful thought. And he said, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown? What is, what is the most meaningful thing to us, the reward we're looking for at the end of the age? He said, isn't it that you would be in the presence of God instead of going to hell, that you would be in the presence of God with us? He said, isn't that what our joy is? Isn't that what our motivation is? 
Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful, eternal perspective that Paul is bringing to them. And uh, no wonder he uh, was used by God to write half the books of the New Testament because of the purity of his heart. It was easy for the Holy Spirit to inspire him and to, to, uh, to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To um, help him, to assist him, to uh, adjust him, to nudge him, see, and to get him to make the alterations as he's writing so that it would be not just a pure-hearted man, but that they would actually be the words of God. See, if you're pure-hearted and your heart is after the things of God, it's, it's much easier for God to make those tweaks and adjustments. But if you're way off in your motivations, very self-centered, selfish, deceitful and such, well, you're a long ways off from God you know, being able to make some adjustments for you to write the pure words and to say the right things because you don't even think right. Paul at least has his motivations right. And so it's easy for God to help him, easier for God to help him and the Holy Spirit to get him to write the precise words of God and thank God he did. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.